Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, happy Sunday and welcome into it. This is the Rocky Top Rewind. I'm Eric Kane. We do the Rocky Top Rewind every single Sunday night from 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Time where we take your questions. We uh, recap what the weekend was on Rocky Top with now it's little Tennessee basketball. We're going to talk plenty of Tennessee basketball. Tennessee baseball season has started. Spring football is right around the corner. And I got loads and loads to talk about. Looking forward to a big show here today. Brent Hubbs uh, is not with us here this week, taking some time off, much deserved time off. Austin Price uh, taking some time off as well. So look forward to getting those guys back in the fold as the week goes on. But we'll be joined by Matt Ray at the end of the hour, a little recruiting and spring football look ahead. 8.30, bottom of the hour, we'll have Grant Ramey joining us to talk about Tennessee's draw in the NCAA tournaments. And coming up at 8.15, a very special guest, not going to say his name just in case we don't uh, we won't have any technical difficulties, but at 8.15, you're going to be wanting to, to dial in here to the uh, the Rocky Top Rewind. Let us know where you're watching from tonight. Please fill those comment sections. Tell us where you're watching, where you're listening from, and uh, let's pound that like button. The goal is always to get this video up to 500 likes, helps with the algorithms and everything with YouTube, and gets this video out in front of more Tennessee football fans and basketball fans. And we got loads to talk about as well. And so, and also a yearly subscription of allquest.com, $29.99. A really good deal. Yearly subscription of $29.99. You get loads of uh, premium content that you can only find at volquest.com. All right. So, the big news here on Selection Sunday is Tennessee gets that four seed in the East region. Better have your coffee ready, right? See, I went ahead and already got some of my coffee ready. It's going to be 940. Eastern time tip-off. Getting tired just thinking about it, right? 9.40 Eastern time tip-off. The four-seeded Tennessee Volunteers taking on 13th-seeded Louisiana. That game is going to be in Orlando, Florida, and it's going to be televised on CBS. Tennessee gets the four-seed in the East region. And I don't know if you guys have had a chance to, to check out what me and Rob Lewis already put on the site. Grant's written up a couple of awesome uh, stories already, You know, breaking down Louisiana, Tennessee's draw on the NCAA tournament, all that type of stuff. But me and Rob, we got on board and did a little video um, right after the announcement was made. And, and I don't know if you check, kind of checked all that out, but you got Tennessee, the four going against Louisiana, the 13. If Tennessee advances, you're looking at likely a second round matchup with fifth seeded Duke. And, and Duke's not been super aggressive and super like the Duke of old with Coach K and all that this year, but playing better than maybe everybody in the country right now. Just ran through. Uh, a couple of um, a couple of really good slates there the last two weeks of the season. Ran through the ACC tournament, had its ACC tournament championship in John Shire's first season uh, as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. So if Tennessee wins on Thursday at 9.40 Eastern time, likely looking at a round of 32 matchup against the fifth-seeded Duke Blue Devils. If Tennessee were to win that game in the round of 32, advance on to the Sweet 16, well... Number one seeded Purdue for the East region. So it's it's a pretty tough slate, if you ask me. 
You got Purdue as the one seed here in the East region. All the way at the bottom of the bracket, you've got Marquette as the two seed. Uh, of course, the, the three seed uh, in this uh, side of the bracket is, well, I can't forget, oh, there it is. It's Kansas State. Tennessee is the four seed. Duke is the fifth seed. You have Kentucky as the sixth seed. Um, and, and you just, you know, Michigan State's the seventh seed. You got U- UC- USC's in this, uh, in this region as well. And, and so, like, whenever you're going through the selection show and they're saying, this region, this region, this region, you kind of have a list here, okay, well, you haven't heard Tennessee, you haven't heard this team, you haven't heard this team, and so it's like, okay, all these teams are going to be in that last region, and it's going to be in the east, and and that's kind of kind of what it looks like, but there you see the bracket right there, Tennessee and Louisiana, if Tennessee moves on, likely playing Duke in the round of 32, if you move on from there, you've got Purdue at the top of the bracket, so it's kind of tough sledding, and it just is what it is, Tennessee's still that team that can play up to anybody, can, in my opinion, beat anybody, it's got the best defense in the country, but with the loss of Zakai Ziegler, who obviously is such an adrenaline pump for your team, he can create his own shots offensively, all right. But he's also a great perimeter defense, and you've seen at points in times where Tennessee really struggled since Zakai has been out in perimeter defense. Really tightened the bolts in the second half against Ole Miss to allow only what was it, 55 points. But in that first half, it got a little crazy, and of course, in games since then, so. You know, not having Zakai Ziegler obviously is a blow for this team, but it just kind of depends on you know which Tennessee shows up. Is Josiah Jordan James going to step up and and give you twenty points like he did the other night? Is Olivier Cumwall going to give you ten rebounds? Uh, you know, finish with ten rebounds and a double double effort. Those are the questions, and th- that's just the inconsistent play that Tennessee unfortunately has seen for the majority of the time this season. So, you know, with all that already, and then you put it in this tough draw, it's just. Um, it's it's going to be an uphill climb in my opinion, but uh, we're going to be looking forward to that. Tennessee uh, getting in action against Louisiana, uh, four against the 13th seed. That is coming up on Thursday, 9:40 Eastern Time. And um, you know, again, go ahead and get your coffee ready, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Let's take it over here. We're going to answer all of your questions throughout the show. Again, special guest coming up 8:15. Sam Smith chiming in. Can't a big weekend ahead. I'll ask the question everybody's asking: How do the Vols match up? This weekend against Missouri, a little baseball fluff in here in a, a basketball segment. Hey, Missouri's surprisingly pretty good. I think Missouri's better than what anybody would even think uh, at this point in the season. They played a tougher schedule than Tennessee. Uh, obviously, I'll have my, my preview matchup coming up later in the week, but uh, this is going to be no slouch, Tennessee and Missouri. I'm not saying Missouri's a regional team or anything, but I, I think that you know, Missouri's not that bad. I think it'd be a good challenge on the road for Tennessee. The baseball team, of course, uh, is now, what is it, guys? 12 and 3. I don't have the record in front of me, but coming off a, another sweep over um, a weekend series with, um, gosh, who did they just play? I was there. <laughs> I covered it. Uh, Tennessee and, of course, Moorhead State. So, but back to basketball. Alabama's the number one overall seed in this re, in, in this tournament. And you knew it didn't matter what they look like in the NCAA tournament. That likely was not going to change. The SEC has, five, has eight teams in the field of play that ties the big 10 for the most from power conferences alabama is the top number one overall seed it resides in the south tennessee is the second team from the sec a fourth seed in the east kentucky third team from the sec a sixth seed in the east you've got a&m as a seventh seed what do you guys think about that a&m as a seventh seed we knew the non-conference games might come back to bite them later on but Again, you had such a great regular season. You finished second in the Southeastern Conference. You played in the championship game and the in the tournament championship game. Again, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. But should they have been slided so much to be a seventh seed? I think they could have been a fifth, maybe a you know, sixth, maybe even a fifth seed. But nonetheless, 
You have A&M as a seventh seed in this tournament. Missouri's a seventh seed in the South. Arkansas is an eighth seed in the West. You have Auburn that's a ninth seed in the Midwest. Mississippi State, 11th seed in the Midwest. No Vanderbilt. No Vanderbilt at all. Uh, there was a point in time, you know, earlier in the season where Vanderbilt was like, was it 11 and 12? I mean, you know, 10 and 12, something like that. I, I, again, it, it's tough. And we say that the committee doesn't care about tournament champ, tournament uh, conference tournaments because look at what Vanderbilt did to Kentucky on Friday night. I mean, that was a really, really good win, taking down Kentucky, who the committee values as a six seed. And that doesn't help Vanderbilt out whatsoever. So, Nonetheless, Tennessee and the SEC, eight teams in the dance, tying the Big Ten for most from the power conferences. Which region do you guys think is the easiest? I think, again, this is only a little over an hour old, so I've been doing a lot of stuff specifically on Tennessee, but I think this East region's pretty tough, and I've already kind of gone through there with Purdue at the top, Tennessee, Louisiana, the 413, facing probably number five Duke in the second round and then a date with the top seed in the region. But looking over here at the West, number one seed is Kansas. Tennessee has beaten Kansas already. Tennessee uh, has beaten Arkansas, who's also in that region, without Zakai Ziegler. Well, uh, most of that game without Zakai Ziegler as well. Gonzaga, who's Tennessee played in, um, and again, it was so long ago, but exhibition play. Uh, Gonzaga is in that region. UCLA is the second seed, and we'll have to go up against UNC Asheville and Drew Pember, who got a whole lot of love on the selection show uh, tonight as being one of the best players in the country. That was kind of good to see. But that's kind of the highlights of the West region. You look at the Midwest, Houston is that number one seed up there. That Iowa-Auburn 8-9 matchup is pretty sexy. You have Miami, who there was rumors that Tennessee might score off in a second-round bout with Miami, but of course it didn't fold that way, but Tennessee avoids Miami. Iowa State's a 6 in that one. Xavier's a 3 in that one. That's, of course, A&M. And then you have Texas and Colgate, Potential second-round matchup with Texas A&M and Texas Longhorns. Uh, of course, that's that's fun. That's really, really cool. But is it needed that early? And again, you, you could have avoided that if Texas A&M was seeded a little higher in the field of play, but nonetheless. And then let's look at the South. That's where Alabama is, leading the way, top seed overall. Uh, you got Arizona, who Tennessee played tough, lost by five points. That's the, that's the second seed. Missouri's in that one. Missouri-Utah State is a 7-10 matchup people are going to be paying attention to. NC State made the field of play. We'll score off against Creighton in that 6-11. Virginia and Furman, that is a, going to be an interesting bout. You'll, I'll be intrigued to watch the betting lines for that one because Furman is a trendy pick as well. Uh, Maryland and West Virginia, that 8-9 is something to pay attention to. So what are y'all's thoughts on the regions? Because, I mean, I, I kind of think Tennessee's in the toughest one in terms of you know, just trying to get out of and make it to the second weekend, and that being the East. So uh, give me your thoughts. Fill up those uh, comment sections. I'll take a look over here. Let's see here. Trent wants to know, how is Hubs coping with a potential Duke versus Tennessee matchup in the round of, uh, in the second round? Who is he rooting for? <laughs> I didn't know. It was Duke. It was, is Hubs a Duke fan? I, I, I wasn't for sure about that. Uh, let's see here. Missouri and A&M were seated too low. That's from Michael. I uh, couldn't agree more. Let's see. Wayne says the Vols are lucky with the injury to Zakai Ziegler to be a four seed. I, I would agree, and that was kind of the that was kind of the the conversation on the the selection show by saying you know Tennessee is seeded fourth, probably overseeded because of what it did in the regular season because of the teams that they beat, but that's before the injury of Zakai Ziegler. Now, before Tennessee footballs lost to South Carolina, of course it didn't matter because Tennessee went ahead and lost to South Carolina. But if you were 
saying that injury to Hendon Hooker shouldn't matter in terms of a discussion for a college football playoff, well, that's kind of the same discussion here. You know, Zakai Zegers loss, it factors into it, and people kind of factored into it. So I would agree. I think Tennessee still being a that third, fourth seed is is very fortunate because you lost, you know, one of your best players. So nonetheless, um, it'll be interesting. And of course, fallquest.com gonna have all that coverage. Rob and Grants are gonna be on the scene covering Tennessee and Louisiana, 940 Eastern Time. Telecast is gonna be on CBS. So um, have fun staying up for that one. <laughs> uh, you and I both will, but uh, that's kind of how Tennessee is going to get going here. And we'll see how long Tennessee can last in the NCAA tournaments. A couple of tidbits here real quick before we uh, transition into a new topic. Uh, Tennessee has been to the NCAA tournament 24 times. This will be the fourth time overall Tennessee has been a four seed in the NCAA tournament. Rick Barnes, 25 and 26 record overall in the NCAA tournament in 26 trips. So, It'll be interesting. Tennessee, Louisiana, the 4-13 matchup in the East region. First game Thursday from Orlando, Florida. That'll be at 940 Eastern time. All right, guys, we're going to transition here in just a moment, talk a little football. But right now, we're, we're talking March Madness. It's officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big with the nonstop action over at my bookie whether you're filling out multiple brackets betting on eventual national championship winner or simply looking for a, a player for game props my bookie has you covered getting started with my bookie is so simple just simply visit online make your first deposit and use that promo code volquest to claim an exclusive deposit bonus that's promo code volquest v-o-l-q-u-e-s-t volquest to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit with hundreds and thousands of prizes of March Madness and a weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your game day into payday at MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. March Madness is here, and go ahead and win today with MyBookie. More here on the Rocky Top Rewind when we return. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane here at VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys for being with us here today. Looking forward to talking uh, some more Tennessee basketball with Grant Ramey. He's going to join the show in about 15 minutes. Matt Ray is going to join us here in about 25 minutes to talk a little recruiting and look ahead to spring practice. And you can be a member of the VolQuest community and the exclusive lovely General's Quarters with the simple fee of $29.99 uh, for a yearly subscription. Hope to get a special guest on the show here in just about any minute, so stay put. But until then, let's kind of look ahead to spring practice. Um, it's going to start the week after. You, know, you got this week, then it's going to start the first and next week around the 20th. And so there's a lot of questions you know, for Tennessee as we get into spring practice play. Of course, Brent Hubbs has done a nice job of kind of putting out some of his Biggest questions he has, you can see all those at VolQuest.com. There'll be continued content coming out uh, throughout the week for newcomers to watch, veterans to watch, position battles to watch, and all that. But uh, there's there's going to be a new identity here you know, for Tennessee. Hendon Hooker is no longer the quarterback of this team. Jalen Hyatt is off to the NFL. Cedric Tillman is off to the NFL. Darnell Wright, who has been a staple on that offensive line for the past four seasons, started over 40 games in Southeastern Conference play. Now, he is off to the NFL and might even be a first-round pick. So, if you're just looking at it offensively, and Jerome Carvin, a guy that nobody's even talking about that's you know been a staple and has been a guy that has played a whole lot of football on that offensive line at both guard spots, a little bit at center, you know, he's gone to the NFL as well. So, you know, that's just the offense. And, you know, we've talked about how John Campbell needs to have a really good spring, just kind of coming in here, adapting, and, 
and, and looking forward to trying to contribute right away. But also, if you flip over you know, defensively, you don't have Byron Young. He's no longer a part of the team. And, you know, some of those guys and some, some of those plug players on the defensive line. Look at linebacker and Jeremy Banks, who has been a super, super productive player for the Volunteers each of the past two seasons. Had 128 tackles a season or two seasons ago and was you know, leading the team in sacks. Um, kind of a bull in a china shop and, you know, just really needs to kind of play within himself. And that's something that Brian Jean-Marie has mentioned uh, many, many times, but a really productive player. Any way you want to spin it, he is no longer there for Tennessee. Uh, you know, Solon Page is gone as well, and uh, there's some other guys uh, from that middle layer. But you do get Aaron Beasley back, which I think is big. Uh, Juwan Mitchell's, you know, gone to the transfer portal. You add Keenan Peely to that mix. You have Aaron Beasley. You got some mid-year enrollees that I think is going to help Tennessee out an awful lot. Um, but you also have some second-year players who I think are going to make some noise. Elijah Herring. Uh, Caleb Perry as you know as a guy that I think we should all be paying attention to so kind of what does spring look like for them and then obviously the secondary I mean you know who's gonna step up Danico Slaughter's at corner how quickly can Gabe Judy Lolly formerly of BYU formerly before that of Vanderbilt how quickly can he get in and step up and, and add something to the cornerback position what's safety look like Jalen McCullough's gonna be back is um is Wesley Walker gonna be your other safety is is Christian Charles going to be, you know, back to safety and that's going to be his home base? You know, what's kind of that position look like? So really intrigued to see kind of what some of these position battles kind of turn into in spring practice. And, of course, that all gets started here in just a little over a week. But uh, back to the offensive side, something I talked about, and I know something Brent talked about an awful lot, the tight end position. Um, it's so critical because the way Tennessee runs its offense, it's up-tempo offense. Um, you want to be able to stay on the field without substituting. And so you need a guy, a Swiss Army knob, that can kind of line up and do a little bit of everything. And Tennessee's been super fortunate each of the past two seasons to have two tight ends who could do that. And, you know, Jacob Warren and Prince and Fan. Jacob Warren's coming back, and that is huge for Tennessee. There's point signs where you didn't you didn't know if uh, if, if he was going to be coming back, but uh, he is. And, and then you have McCallan Castles, formerly of Signed with Cal out of high school and has been at UC Davis the, the past couple of seasons. And um, how quickly can he get adapted? He was here for a couple of those practices uh, during bowl season, and uh, that was good to see. But putting the pads on, what does he look like? How quickly can he adapt to uh, this system? That's going to be big because I think Ethan, um, Ethan Davis is going to be huge for this team, uh, Ethan Smith. But – he also had an injury. He also had a he also had an injury, you know, coming into uh, Tennessee. So, kind of where is he in the strength and conditioning? Um, I think he'll be a player down the line. But Tennessee's going to need McCallum Castles, no matter what, to step up and to, to fill that spot of Princeton Fan. Now, he's not going to be Princeton Fan. I doubt that he's going to be taking handoffs out of the backfield and scoring touchdowns. But can he line up on the line? Can he line up in the slot? Can he line up at H back? Um, he wants to go to the National Football League, and so that's why he chose to come to Tennessee and. He'll have an opportunity to do so. But that tight end position is what makes this offense go. And so that's my biggest question, you know, moving in for Tennessee, for springing on into fall camp. A lot of people want to talk about Joe Milton, and, and deservedly so, because, again, the quarterback is the most important position, in my opinion, um, for not only Tennessee, but also for every single football team out there. I think it's the most important position in all of sports. How will Joe Milton be in terms of being the guy you know we're gonna have to find out but he's a veteran guy he's now a third year guy in the system 
and um, I think that he's going to be ready to roll, and I can't wait to see what he looks like next season. But some big questions at the quarterback and some other positions for Tennessee in spring practice, and that all gets started on March the 20th, week after next. We'll talk more spring practice coming up later in the show with Matt Ray, but right now I do want to bring on a very special guest, Tennessee former Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman is now going to join the show. Cedric, what's up, man? Welcome to the Rocky Top Rewind. It's good. How are you? Doing well, man. Appreciate the time. And wanted to get in here and catch up a little bit. Um, you took part in the NFL Combine last weekend. Had a really good showing. Kind of how was that experience for you? Oh, it was a great experience, you know, being able to be down there. But I think six other of my teammates, I think it was seven of us total. Uh, you know, it was a dream come true. Uh, you know, we just try to go out there and put on a show. And I think we all did a pretty good job. For you in particular, it was, you know, a little bit of a different process. I know nobody's ever 100%, you know, by the end of football season. But, gosh, man, you were never 100% from week three on, right? Mm. Trying to get healthy just to get back out there on the field and help your team. But then trying to get healthy to go out there and perform well for a very important part of your process going to the National Football League. Um, how do you feel right now, and how was that process of getting healthy in preparation for last week? Yeah, uh, well, right now I feel great, you know, feel 100%. Um, and definitely, like you said, uh, after week three, you know, I think everybody knows I unfortunately had a high ankle sprain uh, that I kind of had dealt with all year, you know, try my best to come back, you know, uh, fight for my team, you know, try to help my team win. But uh, unfortunately, it wasn't all the way 100%, you know, but, uh, you know, just got to be a professional aspect. Uh, just got to keep going to rehab, try to keep uh, doing what your team asks for you. And, you know, uh, when the season was over, um, you know, came out here in Texas. That's where I've been training. I was just, you know, working hard on rehabbing so I can be ready for the combine. When did you kind of know, um, and I'm sure there's aspects of the combine, just like aspects of every football game that you wish you could go back and, you know, do a little differently. But when did you kind of know in your rehab process and your training process, like, okay, I'm back to feeling like myself again. I'm really confident. You're a confident guy, kind of confidence going into the NFL combine. That's a great question. I would say probably it was January. Uh, okay. you know, I can't point out a particular day or whatever, but I know uh, it was sometime in January. So uh, just one of those deals where, you know, my ankle was doing good, you know, felt comfortable doing, you know, what I need to do as a receiver. So definitely sometime in January. So obviously you go out and you you compete and you run the 40 and you you catch balls and do the broad vertical and all that. But the rest of the NFL combine experience, meeting and speaking with teams and um, talking with media and stuff like that, kind of how was that experience for for, for you? And um, what were some of the, the good stuff that maybe you heard uh, in return? Yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to meet with a lot of teams, uh, you know, met some great coaches, great staff members and stuff like that. So uh, it was definitely a, a busy week, uh, but uh, it was definitely didn't come true. And uh, really just what I'm hearing from NFL teams is, you know, it seems like, you know, a lot of teams are interested in me. You know, I have no idea where I'm going to go. So I guess we'll all find out on draft day. <laughs> kind of how exciting is that? I mean, I know it's a dream to play in the NFL, but literally you are going to be selected by one of 32 teams. And you could be, you know, two and a half hours to our west, or me right now in Nashville, Tennessee, being one of those teams. Or you could be all the way out in Seattle. I mean, there's no telling where you could end up. I mean, maybe a little anxious, but also that's just got to be super exciting. Yeah, super exciting. You know, coming from Vegas to Tennessee, you know, that was a world change. I had to get used to it. So, you know, I'm kind of used to moving across the country. But nevertheless, uh, I'll be lying if I said I wasn't anxious to figure out where I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Um, 
looking at this past season a little bit, and of course you, you dealt with some injuries and, and you battled back, you came back and played and, um, and, and then maybe there was a setback or something. Um, I know you're a great teammate and you were thrilled with the success that you guys were having overall, but kind of how difficult was it, man, being on the sidelines some of those times and just not being able to go and, and, and help your team out? It was hard. Uh, you know, I've been to Tennessee since 2018, and I'll be honest with you, uh, all I used to hear was when I first got there was when Tennessee's winning, when Tennessee's winning. And just to be honest, we weren't winning, and we were having losing seasons. So I never really got the full Knoxville, Tennessee on top experience. And this past year, it was hard because you worked so hard to finally get that. And uh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted to personally, but, you know, thinking about it as a whole, you know, I'm part of Tennessee family and just being able to see my brothers and my teammates in the fan base and everybody part of the T, um, you know, just to see the reaction towards the season, it was great. So it was still a great season and it was still, I had a lot of fun. Obviously 10 wins in the regular season this past year, 11 wins overall. Uh, Tennessee completely clicked this year, but the flip was, kind of, the switch was kind of flipped in 2021 and for you, um, you you had your breakout year. Had over a thousand yard uh, receptions, uh, receiving yards. I think you had like twelve touchdowns. Um, and I know you're a confident guy. And you've always had that 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 confidence in your abilities and everything. But maybe what was different about the twenty one season for you that kind of really got you going as the Cedric Tillman we know now today? Um, I tell people, you know, a lot of coaches ask me at the combine. You know, I just think, you know, Coach Hypo just gave me the keys. Uh, he just trusted me he said hey we need you know we don't you know none of us have really solidified ourselves as that go-to receiver and i know going into 2021 i had a great opportunity to do that so coach hypel and coach burns kind of just gave me the keys and kind of helped me with my confidence and i was able to go out there and perform what's it like playing for coach hypel um you know coming in different different type of offensive philosophy and all that and being a former you know quarterback at a high level um kind of been there, done that mentality. What's it been like playing for Coach Hype the last two years? Oh, it's great. You know, like I said, um, you know, playing for Coach Hype was great. You know, uh, he's a very energetic coach. You know, he loves his players. He really cares for his players. And, you know, when players can feel when a coach is genuine with them and they're not. And I just feel like that was really the switch. It was just the fact that Coach Hype came in with his style, you know, his uh, – you know, leadership, and we were just able to follow them. When you look at the offense for Tennessee next year, I was kind of mentioning this before you came on. I mean, obviously, Hendon's gone, Jalen's gone, you're gone, Darnell Wright's gone, but still bring back a lot of pieces. What, what do you What do you like about this group coming back, and um, what makes you believe that that success will continue to sustain offensively? I just believe in Tennessee and what they got going. You know, uh, you know, we did have a lot of guys leave on the offensive side of the ball, but you know, it's we got great guys that are ready to go now. You know, Joe Milton, you know, obviously everybody knows what he can do. You know, I'm really looking forward to see what he does this year. I know he's going to have a great year. Uh, you know, we got some great receivers out there, Brewer, Mill, Squirrel, so on. Um, so defense side of the ball, we got some guys coming in. And, you know, at the end of the day, those guys play hard. So I'm excited to see. You know, I expect nothing less uh, but another dominant season. And hopefully they can go even farther than we did. Said, I want to ask you about two guys before we say goodbye real quick. Um, frustrating as it was for you last season, it was pretty cool, I would imagine, to see one of your brothers, one of your teammates go out there and have all that success with, with Jalen Hyatt and you know getting that Bolitnikoff Award uh, over this past weekend. Kind of how neat was it seeing him go off that way? And, 
And uh, kind of how was how was that process with you guys? Because I'm sure he used you as a sounding board even when you weren't even on the field there uh, for that particular game. It was cool. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I've seen the work that, you know, Jalen has put into, uh, you know, obviously off seasons, uh, you know, the tough times he's been through. You know, I just try to be there, uh, you know, like a big brother and just being his ear. And, I, you know, I me, coach, and everybody else, uh, we knew what he can do. And so just the fact that he was able to go out there and kind of show the world what he can do, um, you know, I'm proud of him. You know, he won the Blitnikoff Award. You know, he put Tennessee back on the map. And, uh, you know, he definitely left his mark at Tennessee. Ramel Keaton stepped up, had some really big catches, really big games, you know, filling in. And um, he's a guy that, as well, didn't see an awful lot of him the previous couple of seasons. But when the team needed him, he was there, and, and he was he was magnificent. What have you seen in Ramel Keaton, not just last year, but throughout his entire time at Tennessee? Uh, Ramel's always kept his head down at work, and I think uh, you can really admire someone that does that. Uh, you know, I look at Ramel as a guy similar to me, where, you know, maybe not necessarily had the success early on that he wanted, but, hey, the sky's the limit now. So I know, you know, he had a good year last year. I know he's going to follow it up with a better year this year. And, uh, hell, why don't we have 3,000-yard receivers next year in the receiver room? So let's do it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, last thing, man, and obviously you don't have to disclose this right here, but uh, Combine's done. you got a pro day coming up in a couple weeks as you continue on through this process towards the NFL draft. What are you most looking forward to uh, at, at the pro day coming back here on campus? I'm just looking to see all my coaches and stuff like that, uh, you know, seeing all the community and relationships I've built in Tennessee, and obviously just going out there and uh, competing and balling out on pro day. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. You know, maybe some things I feel like I could have done better at the combine. Looking forward to doing those things at pro day, so I'm excited about it. Well, Cedric, congratulations on a great Tennessee career, on an outstanding uh, NFL combine experience last weekend. Looking forward to seeing you at the pro day, and of course, uh, looking forward to hearing your name called later on in the spring at the NFL Draft. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you. You guys have a good one. That is Tennessee, former Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman, joining us right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Really appreciate that. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get back into uh, what we're talking about here tonight, Tennessee Hoops, a four seed in the East region, and uh, going to take on Louisiana at 940 Eastern time on CBS. That is coming up next, or that's coming up on Thursday. We'll break it down with Grant Ramey of AllQuest.com when we return right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's 32 local time here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Got about 30 minutes left in the program. Appreciate you guys for watching here on the VolQuest YouTube channel. Please, if you haven't already, help us out. Let's go ahead and subscribe to this channel. Let's like this video. As always, trying to get it to 500 likes and $29.99, a one-year subscription to VolQuest. So come and join our family. Great deal there happening at VolQuest.com. All right, let's get Grant Ramey on here. Does a fantastic job. He, along with Rob Lewis, covering the Tennessee basketball team for us over at VolQuest.com. Grant, Tennessee, a four seed in the East region, will take on Louisiana Thursday nights at past your bedtime at 940 Eastern time. Uh, what do you like about that? Uh, surprises, anything? What are your thoughts on Selection Sunday regarding Tennessee? You're asking me what I like about a 940 p.m. Eastern time tip-off? 
Yeah. I can assure you, I like nothing. I had my heart set on Greensboro, North Carolina. I had my heart set on a 1240, 120, whatever. The, the, I don't think Tennessee's played a night game in the first round in a decade plus. So uh, I was not expecting 940. I was not expecting Orlando. But Louisiana is one of those teams that kind of you're, you're in that 13 seed range. Uh, you kind of know which the pool for pretty much what you're picking from or who you're going to get paired up against. Um, Louisiana, it's all about Jordan Brown, 6'11", 225. Uh, former five-star guy, believe it or not, I believe back in the 2019 cycle. He signed with the Eric Musselman in Nevada, then he transferred to Arizona, then he transferred to uh, Louisiana, I believe where his dad played after uh, there was coaching change in Arizona. So he's a big talent, big-time talent. Uh, he go, This team goes as he goes. This is, uh, you know, he's everything for Louisiana. I think he averages 19 and 8, something like that. Now they have other guys that can – score it and rebound it, but he's going to be the A1 guy. You're either going to have to shut him down and make everybody else beat you, or you're going to have to let him get his 20 and 10 and hope you can shut everybody else down. But Tennessee getting to the round of 32, which uh, Oral Roberts and Duke on the other side of that quad is, is you know, not a very good scenario for Tennessee either. Uh, but to get there, Tennessee's going to have to go through Jordan Brown. They're going to have to shut him down. Now, you kind of mentioned the scouting report for Louisiana, but uh, I, I said it in a couple of things right after the selection show, and I actually misquoted, and I apologize. It wasn't Jay Wright that said this. It was Seth Davis already calling the upset, Louisiana over over Tennessee. Um, typically, fours handle 13s. I get it's March Madness, and I understand that Tennessee is without Zakai Ziegler, but pretty much saying Tennessee is overseeded. They're not worthy of a four seed right now because of the way they play, what, five and seven entering tournament play. Kind of what are your thoughts on that, Tennessee, this matchup, even without Zakai? I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that Tennessee is going to be a trendy upset pick because Tennessee at one point, you know, eight weeks ago probably was on that number one seed line for a minute. And they're on the number two seed line for a while. And they were on the number three seed line for probably the last month. And they're five and seven over their last 12. And they lost to Kai Ziegler uh, the second to last game of the regular season. He's, you know, the heart and soul, the point guard, the starting point guard who does a ton for this team. So it makes sense for people to doubt this team. Um, and, and you can honestly look at what Rick has done in March at Tennessee. Uh, with some teams going out against Loyola in the second round in 2018 as a three seed, going out last year as a three seed that was red hot entering the NCAA tournament against Michigan in the second round, uh, going out as a five during the COVID tournament against Oregon State in 2021 uh, in Indianapolis. So I think it's fair to call Tennessee a trendy upset pick. I'm not surprised to hear they are one because um, Louisiana obviously is 26 wins and they got a guy in Jordan Brown we just talked about that can play well and, and do a lot inside. But at the same time, Louisiana is one and five in quad one and quad two games. Uh, Texas beat them by 30 in Austin. They're, they haven't been very competitive in those quad one, quad two games that they lost, uh, the big non-conference test. So this Tennessee team still plays defense. Uh, they still got guys that can score it. We saw them you know, shoot it pretty well in Nashville in the SEC tournament. So uh, they're going to be a trendy pick, but it's also a team that, you know, could, when you play defense in March, anything can happen. Eight teams from the SEC are going dancing. That ties the Big Ten with eight teams. Alabama, the number one seed overall. Tennessee's a four. Kentucky's a six. A&M is a seven. We know why, but still pretty too low for them, in my opinion. Missouri's a seven. Arkansas's an eight. Auburn's a nine. Mississippi State's an 11. No Vanderbilt. What's your thoughts on the conference's pull in the NCAA tournament? Uh, Vanderbilt, probably too little too late. They've had some bad losses that kind of uh, sink their resume a little bit earlier in the season. Um, Auburn as an eight, or are they a nine? Which one are they on that side of it? Auburn Either is way. a nine. Either way, Houston gets the number one in the Midwest, but they're playing in Birmingham, and they could potentially be playing Auburn in the second round in Birmingham, which is obviously a home game for Auburn. 
So that was that was a bit crazy to me, a bit of a surprise. I thought everybody thought Kansas was going to get that number one seed in the Midwest and have that Kansas City regional, uh, but they missed out on that. Texas A&M, I don't understand what A&M has done to the selection committee to offend them, but two years in a row. I mean, they make that run to the SEC tournament title game last year, and they're basically the first team. I think they were the first team left out uh, of the 68-team field. They were number 69s. And then this year, you know, they finished second in the SEC. They go to the SEC title game. Again, they lose to Alabama this afternoon, and they're a number seven seed. I don't really understand that. That's not really fair for a and I don't think it's fair for uh, Penn State either. Penn State's, you know, been pretty good recently. They, they went on a run to the Big Ten title game as well. So, for them to get A&M in that 7-10 game, uh, that's going to be tough. But for the league to get eight teams in, uh, it's a pretty good year for the league. Thomas wants to know, can Tennessee get to the Sweet 16? Of course, that's the second week in a play. It's something that's kind of eluded Tennessee a lot. Uh, here lately last one was it the 2018-19 team to the sweet 16 that's correct i think they can um because how, how does duke tennessee seen, beat duke essentially uh you better shut them down duke doesn't shoot it that well i don't think they rebound it that well I don't, I don't know what the analytics are i haven't really studied anything outside of tennessee louisiana and tip-off times at this point um but duke was pretty average for a lot of the year i mean mm-hmm. they were looking at probably a six or worse seat until they go on this run to win the acc title and you know, it's been a little bit of a struggle for John Shire in the first year. The problem is Duke's playing really well right now, and the problem is Oral Roberts is a really good basketball team. That is a legit number 12 seed that I, would want not any, I wouldn't want any part of. Um, Max Abmus, you probably remember that guy from the 2021 COVID tournament. They were a 15 seed. They beat Ohio State. I think they might have gone to the Sweet 16. I can't remember how that one played out, but that's a guy that averages. He's averaged over 20 a game for three straight seasons now. So that's a really good basketball team. Either one of those matchups is going to be tough for Tennessee. You're not getting Duke in Greensboro. I think that's a plus if it is Tennessee and Duke in the second round. Um, but it's also, you know, a Duke team that's playing really well right now and an Oral Roberts team that's no stranger to this tournament and knowing what to do to win in this tournament. Now the bracket's been out for a little over, you know, we'll call it a, call it two hours now officially. Um, looking at region by region, you know, which one, in your opinion, um, is is maybe the easiest path to, to a Final Four which one might be the toughest? I mean, I've, I, the more I look at it again, and you, know, you have you have more knowledge on it than I do, but I mean, I think this East region's pretty tough. And maybe I'm just looking at it from a Tennessee perspective, but I think it's pretty tough. It feels like there's a lot of uh, conference championship teams, tournament championship teams in this East region. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't know which one's the easiest, which one's the hardest. I even haven't seen the full bracket outside of what Tennessee's got. Uh, Alabama, the way they're playing, I wouldn't want any part of Alabama. Purdue, uh, what we saw from them today, what we've seen from them, Zach Eady is everything for them, and that guard play is not very good for Purdue. And Memphis is playing as well as I think, you know, I I wouldn't want any part of Memphis as a number eight seed if I'm a number one seed. It doesn't feel like that's very rewarding after we saw what Memphis was able to do uh, against Houston today in in that uh, conference tournament championship game and, and FAU. Uh, the same thing. They won a ton of games. They were ranked for a minute, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think they were. They started like 22 and one, or they had some kind of crazy record at some point. So that's a really good basketball team as well. So I, I do agree that the East Region, Kentucky, the sixth seed, obviously Tennessee doesn't want any part of Kentucky because we saw what happened there. Kansas State feels very similar to Tennessee. I think they were 17 and three or something at one point, and they are I don't know what uh, six and seven over their last 13. So they're in a pretty similar situation. And then Marquette. I don't I don't know what happened to Shaka Smart at Texas, but what he's been able to do at Marquette, yeah. uh, the success he's ha- had there in the short time he's been there, uh, I think he's a pretty good basketball coach because they're playing as well as anybody in the country. All right, man, last thing uh, I'll ask you, and I asked this to Rob earlier when we uh, made a little video after it was announced Tennessee was going to be a four in the East region. Um, we talk about it every single week. Um, you know, Now 
exiting the SEC tournament, now the NCAA tournament. What's your thoughts on Tennessee? I know Zakai Ziegler, inconsistent at times, but kind of your overall thoughts on this team right now entering the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm about to blow your mind by telling you they're a very inconsistent basketball team. Uh, that is a, that's a big surprise, right? We haven't seen no. that since, what, October. I mean, for Josiah to score 20 against Ole Miss and then to kind of go missing uh, in the second round of the SEC tournament against Missouri, uh, that's kind of just what this team has been. Now they shot it pretty well in Nashville. I thought they did enough offensively uh, to win those games. They just it, Missouri's just a bad matchup for this team and how well they shoot it. Uh, and I feel sorry for, you know, who gets matched up against Missouri in the NCAA tournament as a seven seed. That's going to be tough. Um, but what I saw offensively, uh, it seems like progress. It seems kind of, I don't know, you, you're, you're going into the NCAA tournament on a good note on the offensive end, even though you left the, NCAA, uh, the SEC tournament on Friday uh, for the first time in a while. So um, if they can get some consistent shot making from Santi, from Josiah, if they can get something from Olivier, Jonas, whoever in the post, it doesn't matter who it is, just a little bit of pro- productivity there. They can play inside out. And if the defense shows up, and really, it's the final five, six minutes of game uh, of games right now. They weren't good at Auburn. They didn't close there. They weren't good against Missouri in the final two minutes, uh, really the final five minutes in terms of just scoring the basketball and finding answers. So I think their defense and they have enough offense to keep them in games. It's just a matter of, you know, how do they handle those number uh, those final five, six minutes. And And one of the crazy things about this Louisiana game, Tennessee is 203rd nationally in free throw percentage. Uh, Louisiana's 320th. So <laughs> if this game comes down to the final five minutes and who's at the Ooh. free throw line, uh, God bless both these teams. I don't know who's going to take those shots or who's going to make them, but it's going to be interesting whatever happens. Missouri is that seventh seed in the South region going up against 10th seeded Utah State. Potential for a second round matchup with uh, second seed Arizona. That'll be fun. That'll be a yeah. lot of fun. Grant Ramey, FallQuest.com, already got tons of coverage up there on the front page for Tennessee against Louisiana. That'll be Thursday night, 940 on TBS. Tennessee, a four seed in the East region for the NCAA tournaments, and we got it covered for you all week, all NCAA tournament long, however long they play, over at VolQuest.com. Grant, appreciate it, buddy. I, I don't ask Rick Barnes for much. I ask him to get me to the East Regional uh, Madison Square Garden. I got I to get some food in New York City again. That's it. Good luck with that. Hey, I I think everybody's going to be rooting for that, but uh, you know, I wouldn't book those plane tickets just yet. That might be just a bit premature. (laughs) Cynical Eric Kane. See you later, buddy. I've been hanging around Rob Lewis too much. Grant, appreciate it, man. All right, that's uh, that is Grant Ramey at VolQuest.com. We're going to get Matt Ray on talk a little lot, and I wasn't trying to be rude there. I was just saying, I mean, it's tough draw again. Going back to what I said in segment one, I mean, you got Louisiana that I think Tennessee have no issue with. Duke's playing about as best, better than anybody in the country right now. That's going to be tough. Then you got, you got Purdue on the Sweet 16, likely. So it's tough. I mean, there's no ifs, fans, buts about it. I mean, it's a tough draw. So we'll see. Tennessee's got the number one defense in the land. So looking forward to seeing that in tournament action. And it all gets going on Thursday. Matt Ray will come up and we'll talk a little recruiting and look ahead to spring practice to conclude this edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane. As you watch us here on the VolQuest YouTube channel, do us a favor. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button to the channel. Really do appreciate it. Had Grant Ramey on to talk hoops. Had Cedric Tillman on early in the program to talk about his NFL Combine experience. If you missed it, uh, this will be available on demand. Of course, we'll podcast it as well. So uh, great stuff with Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman. Uh, so someone that is equally as great maybe we're going to bring on right now that is uh matt ray does an awesome job helping us out uh covering recruiting just about anything else here at volquest.com and uh that wasn't too mean was it you're you're as equally as great as cedric tillman right yeah yeah i was a bolitnikoff uh preseason uh watch list candidate last last fall um you know wasn't at the division <laughs> one level or anything like that but it's, it's there it's there look, yeah look it up it's on google Pretty much the same thing, man. Um, hey, you know, the junior day is coming gone. There was the third junior day that happened last weekend. Um, kind of a smaller crowd than expected, but nonetheless, it was a big spring coming up. Tennessee practice, Tennessee beginning spring practice. Going to be a lot of kids in and off campus here. But a guy that did come a, a couple of weeks ago, I believe, is a tight end that Tennessee really likes. And I was talking about the importance of the tight end position, how Tennessee needs to reload that position. A guy by the name of Dylan Hip, good size, six foot six, two thirty. Where's Tennessee kind of stand right now with Dylan Hill? Yeah, you know, so Tennessee had him in um, last week, and you know, Dylan Hip has been here before, and, and that's something that I think was important coming into this visit. He came in more as a, a business trip. You know, he he didn't want to see the flashy stuff, see around campus, anything like that. He wanted to get sit down with Alec Ablin, go one on one, learn more about this Tennessee offense, and see more about what he's been hearing. They spent a lot of time watching cutups, you know hearing the pitch about how he can play, what they see him doing. He, he's a guy that really is a student of the game, uh, embraces a, a lot of, you know, the off-field, you know, type of stuff. He understands that for him right now, naturally, at six foot six, 230 pounds out there in Arizona, his role is a pass catcher in high school, and he, he does that efficiently. But he understands that to be a Division One tight end, he's got to come in, you know, work in line and block. And I think that's something that stands out to him about Tennessee's offense is how you know, much demand they put on that at the tight end position. And then I think with Alec Ablin, the time that he spent with the offensive line, you know, I think that's something that stands out to Dylan Hip. He, he understands the importance of blocking and how that's going to get you from the college level to the pro level. And, and Alec Ablin touched base with Dylan Hip really early after getting the promotion to tight ends coach. And when I talked to Hip after that, that was one of the things that stood out to him was, was that aspect of the conversation. And again, going back to this past week, had a chance to talk with him. And, and just really, I think the relatability of Alec Ablin and that, you know, getting to focus on you know, blocking C gap and how they use that to set up the pass for the tight ends. I think that really stood out. I think Tennessee's in a good spot for Dylan Hip right now. He's, He's taking a lot of visits right now with his mom. Um, they were at Louisville after Tennessee. They were at Ole Miss. Um, maybe one more before they go back west. But you know, he, he's seeing some schools out here. And right now, Tennessee's in that you know core group for him. He's planning to be back for an official visit. So it's big to get Dylan Hip out here and just allow him to sit down and, and get some one-on-one time with, with Alec Ablin. Tony's chiming in right here, Matt. He makes a great point. Uh, Tennessee's done a really great job the last two cycles in attacking the edge, getting after the quarterback. But Tony wants to know kind of where's Tennessee with defensive tackles, interior presence on that defensive line for the class of 2024. Yeah, they have. They've really stacked the edge position, and they're in good in a you know, good spot with several edge rushers right now. Um, 
that defensive tackle position, I think, for Tennessee has been interesting since this group has been here. Uh, not so much those space eaters that I think everybody's accustomed to seeing, but guys that you can get up to 295, 300 pounds and, and can move and do things inside out. And, and that's, again, where Tennessee's at with this side. You know, you've got Camaradon Franklin, who is really long and can add that necessary weight, but is is uber-athletic. Williams Winery, uh, another guy. And Tennessee, you know, they're battling for both those. Those are probably the two headliners at the position. And, and Tennessee's at least got their ear. You know, they're working with both those guys. Uh, t- Ole Miss and Florida State, really the teams involved the most right now that I think Tennessee's battling for with Camaradon Franklin. Whereas with one area, everybody in the country is involved there. But in talking to him, he he likes what he hears from Tennessee. He, he liked that initial visit, and he's planning to get back out here at some point, either later this spring or in the summer. And then, you know, seen some more offers go out lately. A guy that was on campus for junior day last weekend and didn't have an offer in hand at the time, but has seen his stock continue to increase in, in recent weeks and then picked up an offer a couple of days after the junior days, Marcus Downs from South Carolina is around six foot five, 270 pounds and has plenty to, to grow that frame and be a, an interior defensive lineman at the next level. And he was really high on Tennessee before he got the offer and is high on now that he has the offer. You know, Matt, a name that kind of keeps just popping back up. And I think it's a big spring, big spring ahead for him. Um, he's been a Tennessee baseball commit for a little while now, but his football recruiting really heating up. And I think somebody posed it, and I can't remember if it was just a board question, if it was a Monday Night Chat, maybe it was a question to you or AP, I can't remember. But somebody kind of said, like, is Tennessee falling behind in that one? And I, I don't think that's the case, would you? Um, Amari Jefferson? Yes, Amari Jefferson, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's the case either. I mean, it, the competition is much more stiff right now, but – I don't think Tennessee's falling behind on that one. A lot of good conversation there. Uh, Maury is is really good at balancing this process and going through everything. He's been on recruiting trips. He's been doing off-season weight training. He's getting ready for baseball. That season starts tomorrow for them. First first actual game that's not a scrimmage is tomorrow. So, um, you know, he's going to see Clemson. He's seen Georgia. He's seen Alabama. He's gonna see Tennessee later this month. Is is that's a that's a big visit. You know, you you need to you know continue to move the needle with Amari Jefferson. He's gonna see some other programs. He wants to see Texas A&M. More offers continue to come in, but t- Tennessee's in a good spot with him. They've had him up for the Alabama game. He, he's been here for other games. He's been here to camp. So you know, there's there's familiarity there, and it's not that Tennessee's dropped the ball on this recruitment or anything. Like that. It's just that you know. He's gone through the process, and everybody is turning up the attention on him. He's one of those kids that everybody really wanted to see what he looked like coming out of his junior year. Um, and and he, he backed everything up on the field, as you would expect. But he's a baseball prospect, and I think that happens a lot. He's got a chance to get drafted. Um, so a big summer for him in, in talking to him, something that he's excited about in terms of you know where his draft prospects are. So he's got a lot to weigh out. Um, so, you know, I think that – you know, could cause some hesitation with a few schools and, and why you're seeing this late search. But he's a kid that I think is going to continue to climb the rankings, you know, this fall if he backs up uh, what he put on tape in his junior season. Matt, you brought up baseball right there. Quickly, before we move on to some more football stuff, how did you enjoy, how much did you enjoy covering the 23-4 to beatdown Tennessee over Moorhead State on Friday night? It was the highlight of my week, Eric. You know, I mean, it, it was the highlight of my week. It was it was must see TV. Um, you know, here 
Um, obviously, I, I didn't make it to the park, so it was definitely must see TV for me. Um, oh, yeah. No, no, you know, no pun intended there. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. I, I think I'm going to cover one more weekend series for you later in the year. So that I, it's an SEC series, so it should should be a little more exciting. Well, you know, I, I got the I got to come back for the twin bill on Saturday, six nothing and six three. So can't say I miss covering the twenty three to four game. Although you got to see a cycle, which is really really cool. So that that's... well, you know, everybody's talking about the upcoming NFL draft and and who's going to find the you know, the sleeper and the steals and everything like that. Nobody's talking about my decision to pick Friday over Saturday and miss that double header. You know, <laughs> yeah. like that's no nobody's talking about that. So that is true. Yeah, you missed out on the, on the twin bill. That is true. But hey, those were pretty quick games on Saturday, and it really they helped were. me out with everything else going on today. So I was I was all for it. It worked out. Um, hey, spring practice coming up week after next. Um, you know, we, we've done some riding. We've discussed a little bit. Biggest questions, who we're kind of looking for, veterans to look out for, newcomers to look out for, position battles, all that. You know, more more coverage coming up uh, in written form this week. But uh, just kind of from a broad perspective, what are you looking for? Um, kind of what are you going to be on the lookout for this uh, next week whenever spring practice begins for Tennessee? I'm always intrigued in spring to see the transformation from for the freshmen, you know, the yeah. incoming guys. What do they look like? We know Caleb Harris, but on good way. But you know, what does Nathan Laycock look like? How is, you know, Jack Luttrell, what's he added to his frame? Uh, I'm excited to see some of these guys. Uh, Sham Umarov, a guy that is, I think, a massive tackle and, and has a bright future at Tennessee, just turned 18 years old recently. And I, I'm thinking back to, like, man, I, did, I didn't realize he was that young, you know, when he was – kind of going through things. So how's the weight room treated a guy like that? I'm, you know, that's always, I think, the first thing that I'm most interested in. And then I'm really looking to see some of these guys from first to second year, what what they look like, how they've matured inside the program. James Pierce, Josh Josephs, Elijah Herring, Caleb Perry. And then I'm really, you know, I think probably the biggest, you know, piece as far as a position group we'll be looking at, at least for me, is the secondary. You know, what's the competition like at corner? What's the competition like at safety? Uh, obviously, there's plenty of competition across the field. Offensive tackle is going to be interesting. I'm very interested in the secondary. Yeah, yeah, you and me both and everybody watching right now, kind of who plays where, uh, kind of on that note, like you always want to see what the, what do the freshmen look like, but also you want to see what those transfers look like. And one guy uh, that uh, yeah, I think a lot of fans are hoping can come in and play right away is Gabe Judy Lolly at cornerback from BYU and formerly of Vanderbilt. Uh, Michael has a, a really good question here. Which of the young linemen can crack the two deep and contribute? I don't think any. I don't think you or I, either one, could say we feel confident saying, you know, a, a true freshman now or a rising sophomore, you know, can be there, you know, at, at this position or this position. But what we can say and add to this, please, I think Addison Nichols. This is a massive spring for him. One, yep. where are you, strength wise, aggression wise? Are you a center? Are you a guard? Are you a right tackle? W- what the heck's going on, Masai Reddick? Drew a lot of praise from former Tennessee offensive coordinator Alex Golish. How has a year in the weight and conditioning program been for him? Um, and then Brian Grant, who I still don't think is ready to contribute, but coming in, you and I you know, both covered his recruitment and had such a basketball built, was so new to football. You know, c- kind of where is he now in his third semester of football at this level? I think those are some big questions for some of those guys who came in last year. And then Mo Clipper. Probably a name that we never ever mention. Uh, you know, those second year offensive linemen. Can any of those guys crack and, and really contribute this year? Big spring for those guys. Yeah, I think it's a, just a big spring all around for that group that you mentioned entirely. Really interested to see what Tennessee does at center. 
You know, I, th- I think you're going to see Addison Nichols get more work there. I won't be surprised to see Masai Reddick get more work there. Behind Cooper Mays, yeah. Yeah, behind Cooper Mays, yeah. obviously, behind Cooper Mays. Yeah, mm-hmm. at, at that two spot, who's going to be, you know, the guy that can come in and, and get you some relief if Cooper Mays goes down or, or needs a blow or something like that. So I think that's going to be very interesting to watch. Where's Mo Clipper fit in? You know, I again – I think that he's a guy that has the IQ to, you know, be a center, but is is that his fit? Is he going to be a guard? Tennessee's got some questions to answer along the offensive line inside of that two deep. You know, I think obviously the tackle battle is, is going to be interesting, what John Campbell do. But for those young guys, it's you, you need to stamp your, you know, spot inside this rotation because Tennessee's recruiting a lot of offensive linemen, again, in the cycle – primarily more, you know, at the offensive tackle position. But you, you want to make a good impression this spring going into the fall. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret, too. I mean, Tennessee was in on a lot of tackles this year, and it got from its from its big wish list. Okay, I'm not trying to sound insensitive, but from its wish list at its position, Tennessee got one of four, right? And, you know, it, it's, it's wanting to recruit better at that position and, and so on and so forth. Also, in terms of the guard, I mean, you know, it's a big spring for – is it going to be Andre Kieran coming in from Texas? I mean, is it as simple as taking a tackle body, slotting him inside and playing guard kind of in this offense? I think that's the idea right now, but we'll have to see. But also, you know, two veterans, Ollie Lane and Jackson Lampley. Like, they've been there. They've contributed in a major way for Tennessee each of the past two seasons. But is that the ceiling, or is there another level for those guys? Like, now, now's the time for those guys as well. We kind of made this an offensive line segment, but there's a lot of questions there, and I'm they're not going to find out all those answers during spring practice, but I think it'll go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Andrej Carrick, I, I completely forgot about him. Yeah. You know, that's that's a veteran guy that comes in that can that can find a spot. So that's it's going to be, you know, for the offensive line, and like I said, I, I think I'm, you know, most intrigued by the secondary, but there's a lot to watch along the offensive line this spring. Matt Ray, appreciate it as always, man. What do you got coming up on the side? I know you're always talking to uh, some prospects, not even 24, sometimes 25s and beyond, but a lot of good stuff coming up this week, I would imagine, from you on the recruiting side. Yeah, finishing out some some junior day coverage from some guys that you know, we haven't got out there yet. A couple of guys still holding down as far as pieces go, and then uh, you know, be on the road a little bit more this week. I plan to see Amari Jefferson at some point and you know, maybe some others around the state as well. And you can catch all of his coverage, APs, and everybody else over at VolQuest.com. $29.99, a one-year subscription to VolQuest.com. Hey, come be a part of the family. The general quarters, it's something. If you don't know what I'm talking about, $29.99, come join our family. You won't want to miss out. Tennessee and the NCAA tournaments tipping off 940 Eastern time. That's coming up on Thursday, televised on CBS. Fourth-seeded Tennessee in the East region taking on 13th-seeded Louisiana, and we'll have full coverage of that leading up to tip-off and, of course, Tennessee in that game and throughout the weekend as long as it continues to play. And if you if you came late to the party here tonight, Cedric Tillman joined us in the second segment of the show. We'll podcast it, but we'll have it out there. Former Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman on his combine experience and the NFL draft process. A lot of good stuff from number four earlier here tonight. For Cedric Tillman, for Matt Ray, for Grant Ramey, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate Trey in the in the back end making all this work. Appreciate you guys for sending in your questions and watching us. As always, we'll be back to uh, we'll be back next week, eight o'clock Eastern time, for another edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.